parents hanging half a hundred on them at Owen Field. Or the run rules on the Diamond at Love's Field. We're giving you the breakdowns, the bets, and the hot takes from the perspective of two former OU Athletics employees. You're listening to the Mainline Podcast with Tyler Burton and Adam Jaquez. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Let's go. It's the Mainline Podcast. He's Tyler Burton. I'm Adam Jacquez. Tyler, how are you doing this evening? Adam, I'm good, Adam. Let's talk about tonight. Work is going 100 miles an hour right now as we close out the year. 13 days away from Christmas. Trying to get some last-minute shopping done. Uh, but, Adam, it's been a crazy last couple of days in the world of OU athletics. We've got a couple of key defensive guys that made their decision to come back. OU basketball is top 10 in the country right now. Who would have thought a month ago that we would ever actually be saying that? Transfer portal, we'll dive into it here in a minute. It continues uh, to, to Oklahoma reaps the benefits, but it also kind of takes away at the same time. But Adam, I want to start here because you and I have kind of been working on something behind the scenes for a while that we finally get a chance to announce tonight. Pretty excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the uh, keen observers on Twitter have probably already noticed already, uh, maybe already seen the tweet that went out from Red Dirt Media, but we are now a show uh, of Red Dirt Media. And that name may sound familiar to some out there because uh, Nick Anderson, Caden Helms, two current players on the Oklahoma roster, have a show with Red Dirt Media called Red Dirt Rambles. Uh, You'll be able to uh, find their shows if you're not already following them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people already are, but if you're not, uh, you'll be able to find the uh, links to uh, their show in the show description. Uh, You're probably watching this on YouTube Live, uh, some of those people as well. Um, It's already on this channel, so you can find all that right here all in one place. And there's going to be a lot more coming, too. Uh, There's going to be some more shows with probably some current players, more shows with probably some former players, uh, and maybe who knows what else might happen. I know they've done some uh, experiences for OU fans in the past, so uh, there's a lot more to come there, and uh, we're excited to be a part of that, excited to to see where that might go as far as how Mm -hmm. we can expand our content, make it better, and uh, continue Mm -hmm. to uh, just have a lot of fun here with OU fans, uh, you know, throughout the ups and downs of everything that happens uh, for us <laughs> as Sooners. So I know, though, that's kind of new. Uh, like, it's new to pay people that mm-hmm. do follow us, but there also yeah. might be some new people that are tuning into the main line for the first time. And I mm-hmm. thought it might be a good opportunity for us to kind of let people know, like, where did we come from? <laughs> this isn't our first show, but yeah. where do we yeah. come from and what's our story? Yeah, of course. You know, whether you're a frequent listener that's been with us from the very beginning, you know, going on four years now, or you're brand new to the program, we want to say welcome. Um, Like I said, my name is Tyler Burton, co-host Adam Jaquez, joining me each and every week here on the Mainline Podcast. Our background, pretty short and pretty short and sweet on my end. Uh, I grew up an Oklahoma Oklahoma fan, graduated from the University of Oklahoma in 2017. I actually met Adam uh, when we both went to work for OU Athletics, working um, within the athletic department, but on the ticketing side of things. So we actually worked hand in hand together uh, in the ticket office, doing some stuff both um, with uh, you know the Sooner Club, um, both um, kind of with the uh, the, the uh, Varsity O Foundation, but most of our focus was primarily spent uh, in the ticketing world, taking care of season tickets, donations, different things like that. Uh, and one of the biggest things for us, Adam, you know, you and I are as being as diehard, you know, covering and talking about this team, you know, day in and day out. One of our biggest pet peeves was, you know, when people would call in and, you know, talk to us, whether it was buying tickets, whether it was voicing frustrations with the coaching staff or, you know, asking for uh, Mike Stoops's direct line. We were never really in a position where we could actually sit there 
uh, and, you know, give our honest thoughts on, you know, the, the current status, you know, whether it was football, basketball, you know, all the different, you know, men's and women's sports that, you know, at the University of Oklahoma. So we kind of just decided one day once we got out of the uh, out of the athletic department that, hey, let's let's start a podcast. Let's get together one time a week. Let's talk some ball. Uh, and, you know, we went from sitting around a kitchen table with a, an iPhone in the middle. And here we are uh, just a few years later. Um, extremely excited to be part of, uh, of Red Dirt Media Company. Um, you know, fantastic opportunity. Really excited of some of the content that we're going to be able to put out, some of the access that we're going to get both to some some current players, but also some former players uh, that could potentially be uh, happening a little bit later down the line. But, yeah, fantastic opportunity, Adam. Really excited to be uh, part of the Red Dirt Media family. I saw Michael there in the live chat. Yes, we do talk football year round. Uh, we'll have yes. some softball content. We'll have some baseball content. Uh, we'll have some basketball content here at the end of this show as well. But of course, football is king and we'll have that year round. Uh, Michael, good to see you. Welcome to no the Mainline Podcast. Let's go ahead and start diving into uh, some of the things that are going on in the Sooner world. <laughs> we'll talk about the, uh, the more pressing negative things that are happening in a moment, but let's get off on a good note here. Two key pieces returning to Oklahoma in 2024, mm -hmm. Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman. We talked about this maybe a month ago, I think probably right before that or right after that BYU game of like, what could this look like, you know, for some guys that are potentially have a decision to go pro or to return mm -hmm. to OU. And really uh, some of the bigger names that, uh, that we've seen at OU that could have gone pro or stay coming back to OU. I think that's part of a Brent Venables thing, maybe that he's brought over from mm -hmm. Clemson where we saw a lot of guys stay and continue to be in college combined with the way NIL works right now. And OU's got their best two defenders back in 2024. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this really, you know, hits home. This shows that, you know, the kind of environment, the culture that Brent Venables, when he came to Oklahoma, he talked about it being, you know, a relationship-driven type program, not being transactional. Uh, and I think that this really kind of hits home, the fact that, you know, Danny Stutzman, Billy Bowman are, you know, kind of two of the final members that were part of the 2021 class that are actually still in Norman. Uh, and, you know, because they've chosen to stay, because they've, you know, taken it so seriously, you know, both in the weight room, but both, you know, buying into what Brent Venables in this coaching staff have been preaching, you know, going on two years now. Um, th this is absolutely huge for Oklahoma. And, you know, I know that a lot of people are thinking about going into the SEC, what this team could potentially look like, especially defensively without these two guys. But now you've got a guy in Danny Stussman, one of the best linebackers in the country, you know, leads the team in tackles for each of the last two seasons. You combine that with Billy Bowman, who I know he wasn't a he wasn't a Jim Thorpe Award finalist, but you cannot tell me that there is a better defensive back in all of college football. I'm going to die on that hill. And you've got and you've got really your two key pillars. Um, both at the linebacker position, but also at the free safety, that you can continue um, to, to, to build the, this uh, defensive group around going into the SEC. Um, so this is a huge win for Brent Venables. This is a huge win for the uh, for the program going into the SEC in 2024. Uh, and I thought a couple really good quotes from these guys. You know, they had a chance to talk with the media today. You know, Danny Stutzman. I know that the fingerprint access was taken away. The locker was cleaned out. His stuff was thrown in the trash bag in the middle of the floor. But you look at you you look at what Brent has you know instilled in these guys. Talking about how much this program means to us, uh, how much uh, how big of a deal it is to actually play football at a place like Oklahoma. And Danny just talked about it right off the bat when he was asked why come back. He said. Why not come back? It's Oklahoma. It's a place that I love. It's a place that my heart wanted to stay at. Um, and you look at Billy Bowman. He talked about how he's not done yet. He's not a finished product. He still has a lot more work to do. And the fact that you're going to be able to have both Stutzman and Bowman coming back in 2024 
Um, it, it's got it's got to give you a little bit extra bit of a jolt as Oklahoma fans going into next season, and I think it gives a lot of the young guys on the on the defensive side of the football, both in the safety room, but also in that young linebacking core, uh, where there's a lot of you know unproven talent, but there's so much talent that Brent Venables has brought in in the, each of the last two seasons. These guys are going to get an opportunity for another 12 months to be able to coach these guys up and try to bring them up to that All-American type level uh, that these two guys play at. Absolutely. It gives you two fewer guys on this roster that you have to worry about, you know, are they up to speed? Because they're going to know everything. <laughs> they're going to know yep. it like the coaches know it. And so that gives you a ton of confidence to really invest a lot more of your efforts and time. And some of those younger guys that are going to fill those uh, those holes in the defense as every college program sees each offseason. Sure. So that really just leaves Dejon Terry as probably the one guy, maybe Woody Washington. I'd give that like less than 5% chance that he returns at this point. But uh, mm -hmm. DJ Terry, the defensive tackle, Will he come back and use his COVID year? We saw on, I think it was Instagram earlier today that he yeah. posted out there, hey, you know, who does edit? So he sounds like he's planning to make some sort of announcement. I think it'd be very wise of him, even if he is returning to OU, to put an announcement out there and mm -hmm. kind of play that NIL game and build his brand and have his moment in the spotlight, just like Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman have had. And I think OU fans will show a lot of love and appreciation his way if he does choose to make a big announcement mm -hmm. in a similar way. But um, that could be well, that's, a key loss if, if we lose him. Well, and that's kind of the world that we live in right now with the NIL, you know, having such a huge part in this sport. You know, it's all about creating value for yourself. So, yes, who would have ever thought, you know, five, ten years ago, we would have, you know, edits being created, whether it's Hayes Fawcett or, you know, some of the other key players out there like an Adam Jacquez. Uh, put, putting edits together just simply to announce that we're coming back for one more year at the school we're already enrolled at. But again, it's all about NIL. It's all about these kids having their moment, driving their their dollar value up uh, in terms of what their net worth is, you know, their brand within the NIL space. So again, we'll see what happens. But, you know, if Dejon Terry does ultimately decide to come back, the fact that you could possibly, you know, have three guys right there in the middle of your defense at all three levels with Terry, with Stutzman, with Bowman, that's a really, really good, solid core as Oklahoma goes into the SEC in 2024. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. I want you to guess on two different things here, Tyler. Okay. This year, just this year, OU's last year in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. Where do you think OU's defense would have ranked, just total defense, if they were playing in the SEC this year? Uh, I'm going to say probably in the 6-8 to eight range. It's going to be my guess. <laughs> That's a little bit high. That's a little okay. bit high. It's it's a little yeah. bit more depressing than that. OU ranks 79th overall in the nation in total defense this year. Yeah. Uh, that's a few spots, about 10 spots ahead of uh, South Carolina. And then LSU was in the 100s. So I think that would have been, I guess, third worst in the SEC. Unless I'm, unless I'm scanning through and I'm missing something, I think that would have been third worst. Now, interestingly enough, Washington was ranked number 90th in the entire country. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how they do in the playoffs, but, um, you know, read into that as much or as little as you want to there. So with that in mind, knowing that, Hey, Oh, you played some great defense at several points throughout the year. And then they mm -hmm. also had some really bad moments. I know Danny, yep. Danny Stussman was hurt uh, on several of those occasions, or at least playing hurt, but knowing that those guys are coming back, knowing that some really elite level defensive linemen, especially on the interior are coming into play. You've got Peyton Bowen, you've got, PJ going into their second years with a, a lot of experience that they got this season. Mm -hmm. Where do you think OU slates in? Like, are we thinking 
we should expect top five, top 10, top 15? Like, where do you think OU should slate in out of the 16 teams that will be in the SEC next year? Well, I, I definitely don't think the top five should be something that Oklahoma fans would set a realistic expectation at. I think that when you look at this roster, you try to peel back the layers of it. Yes, the talent level on this football team has vastly improved since Brent Venable stepped foot on campus here, but I still feel like going into the SEC with the schedule that this team is going to be facing on a week-in and week-out basis – I know that the team has gotten better. There's been a lot of improvement, but there still seems to be that lack of competitive depth from, uh, you, know, you know, within all three levels of the defense, but especially, and, you know, this goes for the, on the offensive side of the football as well. The line of scrimmage is where your bread's buttered. That's what dictates, you know, wins or losses in the SEC. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch on it as the offseason continues to go along, but, you know, the defensive line and, you know, ultimately the offensive line, we'll get to that here in a second. You know, you've got to be able to have, you know, a, a steady rotation of, of seven to eight guys that you can consistently throw in there and not see a huge amount of drop off in production. Alabama does it extremely well. Georgia, of course, uh, Texas A&M, um, obviously, you know, the, the portal has been a little bit uh, has been tough on them in, in recent days, but they've been able to, you know, stack recruiting classes together. Um, you know, build up, uh, bring in four and five star defensive linemen uh, two, three years in a row. And that's that's where that's where the difference is, Adam. And again, I know that Oklahoma has made strides. They're going to continue to make strides. You just look at what they're doing, you know, with the power line guys in the class of 2024, your Stones, your Smiths, uh, Okoye's, you know, Jane Jackson, White Gilmore. The, the talent level is vastly improving at Oklahoma, but it's still going to take one, maybe even two more classes for us to ultimately get to where I think we're going to go. Um, but again, Brent Venables coaching at Clemson. He's beaten the Alabamas. He knows what it takes to win a national championship. He knows the play that you've got to have on the field. He knows what your roster makeup has got to be. So he's got a vision in place. It's just a matter of giving him time to be able to get his guys in there consistently uh, to see if that can come to fruition. We went to Twitter. I don't think I'll ever call it X, but we went to Twitter and we asked, hey, you know, this is one of the probably the biggest two biggest duos here of, of players that have said, hey, no, I'm going to put the NFL on hold and I'm going to mm -hmm. come back to OU for my my senior season. Uh, now, a lot of guys are eligible after the redshirt sophomore season, so we'll include some of those guys in this as well. But uh, we want to know from from you guys there on Twitter, like who is this? I guess the biggest names that are, are shunning the NFL uh, you know, since who knows when. So we got a couple different responses here. Dirt mm -hmm. Burglars on Twitter said Bradford, McCoy, Gresham, throw Trent Williams in there as well. Those are your four mm -hmm. guys that were dominating <laughs> that, uh, I guess, 2010 NFL draft. Um, they all returned OU for that 09 season. Didn't turn out the way they wanted it to for injuries, of course. Uh, Colin Williams said Dusty Dvorak and Antonio Perkins from a defensive perspective. Very nice. Yeah, I, I like that. I think Dusty probably needed to stay in school a little bit longer based on how some of the things went in his career, but he ended up making a nice NFL career out of it. Absolutely. Um, although I wouldn't say that either of those guys are really as impactful as Danny Stutzman and, and Billy Bowman are. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and then Brayden Alexander, I'll give him the nod here. A lot of people did say Baker Mayfield, but he said shake and bake. So got to say that. <laughs> I did go back and look though and see like, were there some mock drafts that had Baker Mayfield in the first round prior to the 2016 season? I didn't see one there. So I wonder like, I wonder how much his stock really rose off of the 16 and 17 seasons after he had basically already committed to coming back to OU. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder about that. And then this one, this one, a little bit outside of the box, Kurt G throwing Buddy Heald in there. I like that one. How about Blake Griffin too? He returned Absolutely. To OU after, after his freshman year. So a um, little bit different scenario there, but uh, we're, we're thinking basketball right now with how good the team's playing. So a lot of yeah, guys there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's been a while since we've had some of these big names return. 
Yeah, all, I mean, all four of these responses, you know, f- fantastic responses. I think that Braden, um, w- when you look at risk reward in terms of coming back, taking a chance to come back for, you know, for one final year at your alma mater, you know, ultimately that led to Baker Mayfield winning a Heisman Trophy, Oklahoma making it to the college football playoff, going into the Rose Bowl against Georgia. Uh, for me, Dirt Burglars takes the cake. Uh, in this response when you look at Bradford McCoy Gresham uh, you know those are three first round draft picks you know two of which went in the top five so uh, hands down by far and away that that young nucleus back there in the uh, in the 2008-2009 era um, yeah Bradford uh, GK Jermaine Gresham that's that's by far and away the best collection of talent uh, that has chosen uh, to come back for one final year at Oklahoma Uh, deep breath Okay, so let's the, we turn the page we, start, a little we bit. started with the good. Let's dive into it, Adam. Let's let's no beating around the bush. Let's just let's just chop the head off. Let's get into it. Caden Green announces that he's entering the transfer portal. Probably Ooh. one of the biggest shocks. Um, really, I guess Got it out. ever in portal era for OU as far as guys entering the portal, in my opinion. I can't think of mm-hmm. one that was more surprising than this one. It's one where he was a solidified starter. He probably would have gotten a chance to show what he could have done at one of the tackle positions if that's truly what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he's just not at practice. All of a sudden, his dorm is, is cleaned out. All of a sudden, it feels like Oregon and Missouri are are leading as potential, potential candidates for him. I almost Imagine feel that. bad asking uh, people here on YouTube to to comment, you know, why they think Caden Green hit the portal because I think we'll get some uh, interesting answers there. But mm-hmm. um, what, what happened here, Tyler? Well, I, I just want to start off by saying I, I think that it's it's definitely way too early to try and speculate. I mean, I know that there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, the speculation is money and, you know, possible destinations of Missouri. You know, ultimately, uh, the the NIL bag that they're throwing out there in, in Columbia, Missouri is, is second to none. Oregon, we all know about the Nike money. That's a very attractive, sexy destination at this point right now uh, in college football. Colorado has been one that's mentioned, obviously, with Phil Lodeholt taking the offensive line position uh, up here in Boulder. Uh, but, but again, th- this is, I think you're exactly right, Adam. This is one of those occurrences that was probably the most shocking uh, of anything since the transfer portal actually did happen. Maybe outside of Kyler Murray uh, making the choice to commit to Oklahoma uh, w- w- and transfer to Oklahoma. But again, at the end of the day, I, I just want to say this. Support and cheer for the guys that play for the University of Oklahoma. If you're upset or if you're pissed off, I get it. I understand it. You know, we cover this religiously. You know, we buy into it. We're as passionate about, you know, Oklahoma football as as any of you guys. But don't take that anger or that frustration to social media and start bashing kids or coaches or calling for people's heads because of something like this. Again, at the end of the day, it's too early to really decide what happened. I know that his dad deleted his Twitter account. I know that. You know, he didn't didn't let any of his teammates know. He didn't even let the coaching staff know. He actually entered the transfer portal while Oklahoma was having one of their bowl practices. Uh, his teammates actually thought that he was in the middle of taking a final exam, and that's why he wasn't out there practice. Turns out he actually declares and goes into the portal be, uh, during this. So, again, th- this is just a huge deal, Adam, because now you're in a situation where you're having to replace your entire starting offensive line with a brand new quarterback behind him behind them as you go into year one of the sec we all t- we all talked about rain being gone guyton's gone walter rouse is gone uh and then you talk about some of the portal entries that that oklahoma is going to be losing savion bird nate anderson and now caden green this couldn't have came at a worse time for for bill Beanbow. and you know you factor in the t- two new offensive coordinators 
Um, Oklahoma kind of finds themselves in kind of a, I don't want to say scary is the right word, Adam, but this is kind of a cause for concern, especially given the fact that you're going to be relying on, uh, again, some really, really young guys. I know they got the Spencer Brown kid out of Michigan State, the offensive tackle commit, but you look at the 2024 class, these freshmen that are going to be coming in here over the coming months, I mean, it's four three-stars. They call it a three-star class for a reason, and it's just not something that um, you know Oklahoma fans or even this coaching staff can realistically, realistically expect that you know, Eugene Brooks or Isaiah Autry or Daniel uh, Akinkunmi or Josh Iosiah, uh, I don't think any of these guys can realistically come in and compete for a starting job year one. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some strength and development. So I'm not pressing the panic button, but this is about as close as I've ever had my hand to it with regards to Bill Beanbow in this offensive line. And even if they were four stars or even five stars, it would it would not be it should not be expected that an offensive lineman plays in his true freshman year. That's very rare. Um, not in the Kane SEC. One, Orlando Brown's one. Caden uh, mm-hmm. Proctor, Proctor over at Alabama's one. That's that's the exception to the rule. Most guys are not doing that sure. even if they are highly coveted. So OU staring in the face of basically saying, hey, we're going to go into the SEC without a single guy that started a game all year. Maybe Troy Everett started a game and I missed it. But um, that's probably what's – or I guess uh, Jacob Sexton started. Yeah, you got Jacob Sexton. But but primarily, like, you're starting with a totally brand-new offensive line uh, for the most part. So it's it's strange. Like, we don't know the reason behind what Caden Green did. It it seems odd to me. Like, if this is really a money Mm -hmm. thing, well, we just saw what – James Stussman and Billy Bowman were able to do, you know, they, they did it, handled things probably a little bit differently than they've been around longer, but mm-hmm. there's NIL money at OU. You kind of have to respectfully and go about the process of saying like, Hey, like let's explore that. It seems more like there's either it's not money related. Mm-hmm. There's something totally unknown, which is a total shock to everybody, or it's a money related thing. But like, why would you not even negotiate with OU? Like the, just the weird, like almost burning of bridges that seems to be happening here between OU and Ken Green is, is odd. So I, I don't give it a high probability that there's any conversation or any type of return to OU at this point. Well, and Adam, this is, this is kind of the shit storm that the, that the NIL and the world and the transfer portal has actually kind of created across the landscape of college football around, right now. And the fact that you've got a guy that was a top, 150 recruit coming out of high school comes into Oklahoma starts a handful of games and you know for you know for better or worse was probably OU's best offensive line down the stretch as we closed out the regular season and this was going to be a guy along with Jacob Sexton that many people thought okay these are going to be your two new pillars on this offensive line for the next two to three years these are going to be the guys that Bill Beanbow is going to be able to you know build around for the foreseeable future and now you're in a situation, Adam, where you know not only are you having to recruit in the high school ranks, not only are you having to recruit from the transfer portal to try to fill some of your holes, but as a coaching staff, you're essentially having to re-recruit every single one of your guys, especially your starters, year in and year out because of the NIL game, because of tampering. You know, many people say that it doesn't exist. It exists. Everybody plays it. Uh, and again, this is just going to be something that Oklahoma is going to have to deal with. You would hope. Um, that Oklahoma can find a way to get back into this kid's good graces. Again, we don't know what happened. Nobody knows what happened. We just know that communication uh, was severed. It was cut ties. Um, And, again, this is a kid that many people thought was going to be the next great Oklahoma offensive lineman, potential first-round pick here in a year or two. And here he is looking for a new home in what we thought was going to be one of the leaders of this Oklahoma football team, particularly the offensive line going forward. So 
where OU can go from here. We talked about Spencer Brown out of Michigan State. Oof. He's already committed to OU out of the portal, a tackle. Uh, he's a guy that it sounds like will probably just be competitive there at one of those tackle positions. Maybe he sure. gets beat out by somebody on the roster. Um, if he does, I think that's probably a good thing because we know we have highly touted guys in the wings waiting to take one of those roles. But he's going to at least give you a lot of competitive depth there. <laughs> Buzzword yeah. that we heard a lot before the season. So you definitely need that to continue. And then continuing the Michigan State uh, trend, we've got uh, Gino Vandemark. He's a guard. He primarily played right guard for the Spartans. Um, kind of an inside joke. We we used to mention Michigan State almost every podcast episode because I have so many <laughs> Spartans in my family, and then uh, they had an absolutely terrible year, so we didn't mention them hardly at all. Now here we are mentioning two of their offensive linemen uh, that could potentially be Sooners. One of them already is. And then uh, just down the road at North Texas, you've got Fabici Nuewu, a uh, fun name. Well there. done. I'm saying that right. <laughs> uh, would love to have him on the team just to be able to say Fabici. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Um, he's a guy that was, I believe, second team freshman All-American by The Athletic mm-hmm. uh, in 2022. Uh, helped pave the way for a lot of running success there for the uh, the Eagles down there, or the Mean Green, I guess, mm-hmm. at North Texas. So mm-hmm. potential there. He played a lot of right guard as well. So you're looking at probably a McCade Matoyer replacement there. But I think OU's going to have to really widen their, their search and their net after uh, Kane Green hitting the portal. I'm not sure Oklahoma is quite as desperate as Deion Sanders is up here in Boulder, but again, this guy has already taken seven offensive line transfers within the last five days, I believe. So again, the cupboard is not that bare here in Norman, Oklahoma, but again, you're replacing all five starting offensive linemen going into the SEC. You've got the 2024 class that is not going to be ready to play day one. Um, so really, Oklahoma, I, I know that they, they're being aggressive in the transfer portal, but they've really got to ramp that up now, uh, especially with Caden Green entering the transfer portal. Walter Rouse, McCabe Matower, yes, they are going to be playing in the Alamo Bowl. So Oklahoma should be able to put together a pretty formidable product on the field here in 16 days. But again, as you as you project what the outlook of this position group is going into next season, I think Oklahoma needs to take at minimum three, maybe even four guys uh, you know, from this point forward for Oklahoma to field, you know, a, a very uh, formidable offensive line going forward to be able to protect Jackson Arnold, who, again, uh, we'll touch on uh, the transfer portal actually reaping the benefits for Oklahoma here in just a little bit today. That's kind of news that got kind of drowned out by the King Green news. But um, again, it's it's a it's a tough situation that uh, that this offensive coaching staff has found themselves in. And we'll see where they go from here. On the defensive line, not a lot of action going on there necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think Chris McClellan out of Florida is the only one that currently has an offer. I know uh, Princely, I won't even try to say his last name because I don't have it right in front of me, out of uh, Florida, the mm-hmm. uh, edge rusher. He's a guy that OU's talking to. It doesn't sound like that's likely to head OU's direction. So again, not a whole lot of things going on. Brent Venables sounds like he's going to be making a visit to Katy, Texas later this week. We'll see what happens there. Um, it goes yeah. both ways, yeah. though. It goes both ways with NIL and the portal and everything. So mm-hmm. we'll see, but not a lot of action there. How concerned are you on on defensive line? I'm very concerned at this point, to be quite frank with you. Again, I know that we have, you know, we've got the one offer out to Chris McClellan, the, you know, the, uh, the the former Tulsa product, you know, that spent the last two years out there in Gainesville. It's been a 
you know, really, really nice player. Obviously, a lot of the people down in Gainesville, particularly in that building, uh, were very disappointed and sad to see him leave, you know, because the level of production, the way he projected, you know, going forward as an upperclassman. He's a guy that Oklahoma absolutely has to bring in. I know that they've got a really nice, uh, you know, defensive line group coming in in the class of 2024, but I think it's a little bit unrealistic to expect to have to rely on a couple of those true freshmen in the SEC in year one as true freshmen. So you've got to go out there and you've got to bring in some able bodies that have got some experience. They've already got the weight and the muscle put on their SEC ready to be able to come in and play for Oklahoma next fall. Uh, but yeah, I, I am very concerned at this point right now. Again, once the once the bowl season kind of kind of you know comes to to an end, there's going to be a, lot, a few more guys that choose to hit the portal, and, and it kind of sounds like Oklahoma is playing the waiting game in some sense. They are expecting maybe a couple of guys that are going to be entering the transfer portal. Um, you know, maybe between now and the bowl season kicking off, or maybe after the bowl game is completed for their set team, we're not going to name names at any point. Just look up uh, recent graduates from uh, from Katy, Texas, within the last twelve months. But again, we'll we'll see what happens. But yes, Adam, on a scale of one to ten, I'm at about an eight in terms of the defensive line position going into next season. Just in terms of you know experience coming back and what this you know what this group is going to need to be able to go through that grueling you know thirteen game schedule. It might not be immediate help, but there are potential of some linemen coming in from the high school ranks. Dominic McKinley likely getting a visit from from Todd Bates later this week. He's a guy that announced today that he's going to move his signing to the February signing date. So that's just getting extended there. It sounds like more of just, hey, we're we're open for bids longer, in my opinion there. So I'm not holding my breath on that one. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Eddie Pierre-Louis out of the uh, out of the Florida basically Uh seems to be back and forth every day every hour every minute um it sounded like OU had kind of things on a good position but you just never know there so I I don't know how I should really feel about him I think he's committing on Friday so I don't know I'm not holding my breath there either yeah he's committing on uh, this Friday December 15th I believe he has a final five he's got it narrowed down to Oklahoma Oregon UCF Texas A&M and Miami so again Oklahoma Oregon Texas A&M and Miami four you know, very heavy, you know, hard hitters in the NIL space. So at this point right now, for, for this kid's services, four stars, six foot three, 330 pounds out of Tampa Catholic in the state of Florida, it's not going to it's not going to surprise me if he does pick Oklahoma. Uh, it's also not going to surprise me if he spurns Oklahoma and chooses to go elsewhere. It's been that kind of recruitment. It feels like this thing has drug on and on and on, and nobody's really been able to, you know, maintain a consistent temperature uh, of which way that you know which you know which direction this thing is actually heading for. But again, he's a guy, especially with with um, you know the the current makeup of this 2024 offensive line class. He would come in and be you know Oklahoma's highest ranked offensive line commit. And he's a guy that's got good size. He's probably not quite ready to play year one, uh, but he's a guy that if you're Bill Beanbow, you know you've missed out on Casey Poe, you've missed out on Grant Bricks, a couple of others. You've got to do whatever you can to try to land the services of Eddie Pierre Louis um, because Oklahoma needs it right now. You've got to build that depth. You've got to get this offensive line group back up to the uh, the talent level and the production level that we've come to expect each of the last five to ten years. Uh, and this is a big step for that. So we got we got to get EPL in the boat. We've already talked about some of the talent that's coming in and, and Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle out of Michigan yep. State. But two other guys have committed recently. Uh, uh-huh. You've got uh, Des Malone, the cornerback out of San Diego State. I think he's a guy that 
Uh, if you're newer to the Mainline podcast, every August, late July or so, Tyler likes to do a length and girth report. Anytime there's pictures coming in from the lake or pool parties, uh, Tyler loves a little guy or a guy that's got a lot of length and girth, and that is Des Malone to a T with that 6'2 frame. We are all about the post-workout photos that get put on social <laughs> media from the OU football account. We live it, we breathe it, we talk about it each and every week during the offseason. Uh, no, good joke, Adam. But yeah, th- this is a guy, Adam, when – when you look at the size and stature, you look at the way that this kid's move. This kid moves. He's an SEC type corner, and this is something that we're continuing to see. Brent Venables and Jay Valai, uh, you know, continue to bring in guys that fit the mold at this position group. And this is a, this was a really big get for Oklahoma. This is a nice commitment. Obviously, you land this kid's services. Two years of eligibility remaining. I know that a lot of people see uh, the San Diego State logo uh, next to this kid's name and immediately think, "Ah, oh, well." You know, crap, this this kid's not going to be ready for big-time Power 5 football, let alone the SEC. But again, Woody Washington's decision hasn't officially been announced yet, but by every every sense of which way we think this is leaning, he is going to take his talents to the NFL, and rightfully so. This kid's ready to be playing on Sunday. So you've got Gentry Williams as the guy that's going to be penciled in as the starter at one of those corner spots. So you needed a guy to be able to come in and compete with the likes of Macari Vickers or uh, or a Josiah Wagner or a couple of the true freshmen that are going to be coming in. And I think that Des Malone fits the bill on that. Uh, and he's this is a good gift for Jay Belay. I'm excited to see what this kid looks like uh, in an Oklahoma uniform. Gentry Williams was just on Red Dirt Rambles with Nick Anderson and Caden Helms. I don't know if we should call it our, our sister show, our, our brother show. I don't know what we call that yet, but they're part of our network now. So Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't listened or, or checked that show out yet, uh, make sure you do so there. So Fantastic. Uh, another commit that we just got uh, today was the wide receiver out of Purdue, Dion Burks there, mm-hmm. a guy that led the Boilermakers. He didn't have like the greatest stat line ever. It's not like 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns or anything like that. He did the best with what he could there. Hudson <laughs> Card, the the former quarterback from Texas that uh, moved up to West Lafayette this offseason. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy that's got electric speed, uh, a lot of playmaking ability, and uh, really adds to that wide receiver room. One that we talked about last week that we weren't really sure if OU was going to add more names to that. Yeah, and this, uh, you know, Adam, Emmett Jones strikes again, and I know that this guy's already making a lot of money, but I still think that he deserves another raise at this point. The fact that, you know, this is a guy that Oklahoma really kind of tested the waters in, you know, early within the last week or two, and, you know, to me, this kind of came out of left field a little bit. The number one wide receiver in the transfer portal, second team all Big Ten a year ago, 629 receiving yards on 47 catches to go with seven scores. We've shown a couple of them here, and his best performance at him this season was actually just a little over 150 yards, a couple of scores against Fresno State, and again, Wide receiver going into 2024 was not a position group that I really thought Oklahoma was really, you know, going to take somebody from the transfer portal unless it was just an absolute stud. And Oklahoma got one today with the commitment of of Dion uh, of Dion Burks. And again, the rich get richer. Jackson Arnold. I'm not sure how well we're going to be able to protect him next year, but make no mistake about it, he's going to have a, a, a bunch of weapons at his disposal to get the football out there too. For those watching on YouTube, it's highlight after highlight after highlight of him basically burning a defense, getting a long pass, or just outrunning a defense. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we talked about Andrew Anthony's coming back to this team. We hope that he regains full health and doesn't lose a step. But I almost kind of look at this as maybe a little bit of an insurance there mm-hmm. on that particular role of the passing game. Um, but you can't have enough guys that got speed there between him. Uh, Andrell between uh, Brennan Thompson, who returns, we saw him have a lot of speed there. And and those guys seem to, 
they seem to get injured more often than the uh, larger possession type receivers. So you want a healthy stable of those types of guys mm-hmm. that will be able to contribute and um, not have drop off. Kind of like we did see when Andrell did go down uh, against Texas mm-hmm. with the ACL injury. So obviously we hope that doesn't ever happen uh, to anyone on the team, but it just feels, it feels inevitable. Um, there's going to be some injuries. It's football. So mm-hmm. um, love the pickup, another playmaker, a guy that, uh, you know, played in a great league against great competition and still showed out despite his team only putting up four wins for the year, not having the greatest quarterback player or the, or the, the right pieces around him. So got to love it. I do. I do. Absolutely. It's a fantastic pickup for Oklahoma. Uh, and again, it's another weapon at Jackson Arnold's disposal. And again, you look at this wide receiver core Nerson, Andre Anthony, Jane Gibson uh, to go along with Farouk, who by you know all indications he's going to be coming back for one more year. You throw Dion Burks into the mix with the Jack uh, Jacquez Petaway, and also you've got a, you've got the two Zions coming in uh, in the class of 2024. So again, it's an embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver position. Uh, it's a shame that there's only one football to go around because <laughs> Jackson Arnold is going to have his pick the litter in terms who uh, of who he wants to uh, distribute the football to on Saturdays. Absolutely. So. That brings us to running back. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. Tawi Walker is in the portal, but he's practicing. It sounds like yeah. we'll see him in the bowl game. He tweeted out the bowling emojis. Uh, Michael said it in the live chat there, it's interesting that he's still practicing. I, I think that is really interesting. I wonder if maybe the discussion's not done. Maybe he will return to OU. Um, but OU is also going to be hosting some running backs this weekend on campus that are in the transfer mm-hmm. portal. Uh, most notably, uh, Mario Anderson out of South Carolina, a guy that uh, transferred to South Carolina out of the, the lower ranks and had a really great year. A guy that... Look at him here on on this one. He's outrunning the Tennessee defense, but he's still got, again, going back to length and girth report, he's a bigger guy that can really run through some tackles and and carry the pile as well. Yeah, and he's a guy, Adam, that I think would be a really nice compliment to what we already have in that running back room on campus here in Norman, Oklahoma, with Javante Barnes, with Gavin Sawchuk. This would be a really nice guy, especially in short yardage packages. But, you know, not only is he is he a tough physical runner that stays behind his pads, but he also has the opportunity, you know, to take it to the house like we're showing here uh, on the highlight against the uh, the Vols of Tennessee. So, again, he's expected to be in Oklahoma this upcoming weekend. There's actually a running back in the transfer portal that's on campus right now with, uh, with DeMarco Murray, and that is the guy uh, from Tennessee, Martin, Sam Franklin. 5'10", 195 pounds, who had almost 1,400 rushing yards to go with 11 touchdowns, six yards a carry, uh, two really, really good solid backs. If I had a choice by watching the, the two guys' film, they would both be a good fit in this offense, but give me the South Carolina kid. Give me Mario Anderson. Sounds like he would be a fantastic fit uh, in Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley's offense. And who better to learn from? than a guy that's been an MVP and all pro type of guy at the NFL level in DeMarco Murray. So give me Anderson. Mario Anderson has probably the biggest thigh pads and biggest shoulder pads that I've seen in a while from a running back. It feels like a throwback to the nineties. So there's your length and girth report. There you go. (laughs) I want him for the the pad size alone because that, that would look awesome out on the, on own Mm -hmm. field there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about tight end position? OU, I believe only has two offers in the tight end Mm -hmm. uh, realm right now. One of them being uh, Bauer Sharp out of Southeast Louisiana. I believe they're the Mud Dogs. Um, I think they're uh, still not winning a whole lot of games there. And then uh, Holden stays out of Notre Dame. Two guys that you look at, you know, what they did on the field. Not a ton of production. Some of that's quarterback issues. Some some of that's the offense that they're playing in. But um, both have offers right now. It, it feels like oh, you really miss with Jalen Conyers here because. 
he's at Texas Tech. I know that's a little bit closer to home for him because he's from the Panhandle, but mm-hmm. man, it feels like he's an SEC type of guy that should be playing bigger boy football than that. Yeah, that was kind of a tough blow. Obviously, a tight end that can move the way he does, weighing 270 pounds. He committed to Texas Tech over the weekend. Yeah, that was kind of a that was kind of a tough blow, I, I think, for Oklahoma in in terms of the recruiting efforts at the tight end position. But again, make no mistake about it, they do have Devon Mitchell coming in in the 2024 class, but. Tight end position is really not one that I think that you want to be relying heavily upon uh, to be able to come in as a true freshman and compete day one. Again, this guy is going to be in the rotation. He is going to have an opportunity you know, to get most of the reps at the tight end position for Oklahoma next year. The kid is that good. But if you can bring in a guy like a Holden Stays, the kid from Notre Dame, who they're hoping to get him in on a visit a little bit later this week, this is just a guy that, again, creates more competitive depth, as we like to say, put it on the bingo card. That gives you know it gives this kid an opportunity to be able to come in, uh, you know, gives Devon Mitchell a guy to learn from, and it also gives you know more quality depth in that in uh, in that uh, locker room, and a guy that can not only make plays out on the perimeter, but he's a guy that you can line up, uh, you know, on the line of scrimmage that you know can can take on a linebacker, can chip, uh, you know, a an edge guy or potentially a tackle. Um, but yeah, make no mistake about it. I, I said on this episode a week ago, Adam, that Oklahoma needed to take minimum. Uh, of one for sure, two tight ends. Um, but again, a big one's off the board, and Jalen Conyers going to Lubbock, and we'll see what Oklahoma does moving forward. Let's talk basketball. OU gets another yes. dominating win. Uh, I guess last week when we recorded, the game against Providence had just finished. So on the week last week, two dominant wins versus Providence and Arkansas um, power conference teams. We'll, we'll get to be see if those are uh, mm-hmm. March Madness teams. But yep. not only is OU winning these games, they're really pulling away and, and asserting themselves as the more dominant, the better team on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they get a nice uh, week off here for finals and then get to play Saturday night against Green Bay. Then you yep. go on the road to Charlotte uh, for the Jumpman Invitational playing UNC. I think that's really going to be a measuring stick type of game. Uh, but mm-hmm. so far, OU's not only handled the test, they've aced the test. It's like every question is right. So like how, I mean, I'm almost scared to talk about how good this team could be because I'm, I'm feeling like the other shoe's going to drop at some point. I mean, it's just different, Adam. And we can touch on the game up in Tulsa at the BOK Center against Arkansas. I know that the, the final score was 79 to 70. And again, that's a good win over Arkansas. But the, the way that that game was played, the score was not that close. We put the walk-ons in towards the, you know, within the last couple of minutes, couldn't get the ball past half court. Arkansas was able to get a few easy buckets to kind of close the gap, but make no mistake about it. That was a dominant win in a big time setting, national television and Oklahoma improves to nine and zero to move all the way up to number nine in the country. And, you know, Adam, you got to give a credit where credit is due. Porter Moser did a phenomenal job on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal, transforming the talent level on this roster of this basketball team. They're the most athletic I've seen in Oklahoma basketball team. Uh, again, this is the mo- the collection-wise of talent. This is the most athletic team I've seen Oklahoma put on the floor in a long, long time. They've got one of the best point guards in America right now, and JV on McCollum. We're extremely tough and physical on the defensive end. And when this team is making shots from beyond the arc and they're efficient shooting the basketball – they're going to be a tough out against any team in the country. And again, they have the week off, like you said, before the game against Green Bay on Saturday night in the LNC. But the matchup that I can't wait for, Adam, and huge shout out to Kiana Upshaw, friend of the program uh, out there in uh, Chapel Hill right now. I can't wait to watch what happened when that goes down next Wednesday night in the Queen City, in Charlotte. Oklahoma set to take on North Carolina. And what has a realistic opportunity, Adam, to be a top 10 matchup between these two programs? Who would have thought we'd be saying that? 
a month ago when when the season started. But again, you, just so much to, to be said about this basketball team. You got to give the coaches a lot of credit. The thing that sticks out to me the most, Evan, I want to get your thoughts on this. Oklahoma's starting five. You got your six foot two point guard. Anytime your guard is sta- your point guard, the leader of your offense is standing at six foot two. You're doing something right. And the fact that the rest of this group, six five, six seven, six four, six ten, and all these guys can jump out of the freaking gym, it's just a much much different looking team and a much different brand of basketball that Oklahoma has been playing uh, through the first nine games of the season. I can't wait to watch this team uh, moving forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. We cannot get away from the length and girth report, especially in basketball. Um, and I'll shout out John Hugley, a guy that uh, 6'9", yep. 242 pounds. We talked about him last uh-huh. week. He just, I, I, I'm excited to see someone that, that looks like Ryan Spangler, basically, um, that we haven't had since that yep. Final Four run with Buddy Heald. And I want to see him do it you know, night after night, once you get into the big 12 and there's no breaks, there's no green Bay thrown into the mix. Um, uh-huh. no disrespect to, to green Bay there, but, um, there's, there's just elite competition across the board in the big 12. And right. I want to see that continue, you know, night after night. OU ranks I, number 11 in the new poll. Um, currently a number four seed, according to Joe Lunardi in the ESPN bracketology, um, facing up against Liberty, another team uh-huh. that we seemingly talk about a lot as uh, that's a, a school that I went to, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to get too excited just yet. I, I feel like I've had my heart broken in the, in the non-conference slate of games before for basketball, but it, it really feels different. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. I mean, you're looking in, in terms of trying to forecast how, you know, how good could this possibly get? How high can this team go? I think that you're looking at potentially a top five seed coming into the tournament, coming into tournament time in March. They already have the impressive wins over Iowa, USC, Providence, Arkansas. If they can finish, Adam, I think in the top four, maybe five in the Big 12 conference. And when you when you look at the Big 12 as a whole, we always talk about how it's the most dominant competitive conference in college basketball. Even more so now when the, the fact that you add in a Houston top five team in the country right now. BYU, top 25 team in the country right now, to go along with the solid basketball programs that are already a part of this conference. Um, again, if Oklahoma figures out a way to, to be part of that upper echelon of teams come season's end, I think they're going to be in a great shape come March Madness. Next week, we'll re- be recording the night before the matchup yeah. versus UNC. So maybe yeah. we'll do a little little preview there. Yeah, and, and Adam, I do, I do want to say one more thing with regards to this basketball team because efficiency has been something that Porter Mosier's teams each of the last couple of seasons haven't really been that consistent with. You know, they've had certain spurts where they play really good basketball. You know, they'll score 90 to 95 points one night. Well, then they come back the next night and, you know, it's it they shoot themselves out of the gym. You know, you, you struggle to reach 60 points. And, again, I know that all the attention right now is being given to Javion McCollum, rightfully so. He had 20 points, five rebounds, four assists against Arkansas. Otega Owe, who's probably one of the most cons- one of the most exciting players uh, watching in college basketball right now. Maybe we could, we could find a home for him in the falls on the football team. But the thing that really sticks out to me the most, Adam, these guys are playing an eight-man rotation right now. Uh, poor Mosier is. And you look at the reserves coming off the bench against Arkansas. Production coming off the bench between Hugley, uh, Darthard, and Soares, they gave you 27 points on 8 of 12 shooting. That's extremely efficient. That's, you know, they taking care of the basketball, playing good defense, giving timely rest for some of the starters. If they can consistently get that type of production from all eight guys, this is going to be a really dangerous basketball team as we move into conference play. Yeah, and I wish I had done a little bit more deep dive on the minutes because I saw someone else post this, but 
Um, those guys coming off the bench, they're not just coming in for like three, four minutes to give a little bit of rest. Like they're able to play a lot longer and actually contribute a lot. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really impactful there. So sure. um, it's exciting to talk basketball. It helps the off season for football go that much faster. Uh, we're going to be talking softball here before we know it. And then uh, that meme of that kid at the uh, school desk with his veins <laughs> popping out of his forehead. That's me getting ready for baseball season, getting ready to tweet uh, about baseball and talk about baseball here on the mainline podcast. So We'll have a lot going on there here in the coming weeks. Next week, we're going to do an Alamo Bowl preview uh, and get get you guys ready for that. And then I think we will have a week off uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but uh, we are excited for what's next here on the Mainline Podcast. Tyler, any parting shots before we sign off for the evening? No, just really excited about what's to come. Like I said, uh, extremely grateful, excited for the opportunity, being part of Red Dirt Media Company, the the content that's going to be put out, some of the access that we're uh, going to have, and a lot of the stuff that we're going to be able to provide to you guys as viewers, both on the YouTube channel, but by also listening to the podcast as well. Um, again, I, I know that we've got the Alamo Bowl coming up here in a couple of weeks. Basketball teams are on fire right now. we still got Diamond Sports coming up here in the next couple of months. It's a really, really fun time. Uh, to, to, to be following the mainline podcast on this media platform. And again, excited for what's to come. And Oklahoma City gets their arena. Love it. Well done. Love it. Well done. Echoing, echoing everything that you just said there, Tyler. Uh, and uh, we appreciate everyone listening. And we will see everyone next week for the next episode of the mainline podcast.